Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, welcome to Cross Creek. It's good to see you guys. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're just so glad that you're here joining us. Uh, if you are new, we are really glad that you're joining us, and we want to give you a gift to basically show how glad we are that you're here. So the easiest way we could get a gift in your hand is actually uh, in the seat in front of you. There's a little card that says, welcome. You fill that out, some really easy information about you, and then after this, this 40 minutes, uh, we'll have some snacks in the lobby, but there's also an info table at the lobby, in the lobby, and at that table, you can give that card, that welcome card to the person at the table, and they will give you a free gift. So just our way of saying, hey, thanks for being here. Here's a party favor. Thanks for coming to the party. And a special welcome to you if you're watching online. Thanks for, for tuning in wherever you are, whenever you are. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to, to either listen or watch. We're just glad that you are a part of, of what's going on. And so I have a question for you. And you might have, you might have noticed from um, the intro video to our new series, Take Charge. Take Charge. Uh, but I have a question for you. Uh, what would you do with a billion dollars? Not a million, because that's... That's chump change. But a billion. What would you do with a billion dollars? My house would be pretty nice. I'd actually have a different house. We were trying to sell our house. didn't work out. Anyway, I didn't want to leave my cool neighbors. <laughs> but a billion dollars. Think of what you could do. Think of the good you could do. Like money, we're going we're gonna to talk about money. The person who invited you probably didn't tell you that tonight, right? But you're going to be safe. You're going to be okay. Don't, don't change the, the, you know, Facebook, go to Facebook or whatever. Just keep watching. It's going to be safe, okay? But, so we're talking about money. Why? Because money is awesome. Money is great. Money is so useful. What, I mean, what makes something useful? And it's not, a, it's not a trick question. What makes something useful? Being able to use it for a purpose, right? Money can be so useful. Think of the, the hospitals that money has built, Think of the schools money has built. Think of the medicine and the research that money has funded. The, you know, homes that we live in thanks to money. Clean drinking water provides, or money provides people with clean drinking water. Uh, food, essential oils, everything that's great, you can get with money. It's amazing. In fact, money can add purpose to life. It really can. But it is not the purpose of life. And that's why we kind of get a little uncomfortable talking about money. See, money can add purpose to life. When you use your money on purpose, for a good purpose, it can add a lot of meaning, a lot of value to your life. But the problem is when we start making it the purpose to our life. And we've, we've seen people do that before, right? And maybe we know some of them. Maybe our parents were those. Like, you know, they, you never saw them because they were working so hard to provide for the family, Right? 
but you would have rather have had your parent home with you and getting to, getting to know you. And most of us, I think, no matter how rich or how poor we, we are, we think that if we just had, you know, just a little bit more, then we'd be happy, right? Like, how much, how much money would make you happier? Well, probably more than I have now, right? That would probably be enough. And we can let that pursuit of the happiness that money brings, we can, if we're not careful, that can, that can control us. That can become our life's purpose. And, we could, and if it becomes that, then we're never satisfied. We're never happy. We think money will make us happy, but it doesn't, right? If we constantly pursue it, then we're always just needing, need, needing just a little bit more, right? Just, just a little bit more, and there's, there's never enough, right? We'll, we'll, we'll purchase something, and then, well, it gets old, and we need something else. We buy our dream car. Eventually, it's going to break down. Right? It never really satisfies, and, and we know this. Like, I'm not telling you something you don't know. You're not like, oh my gosh, John, I had no idea that money can't buy happiness, right? I mean, we, we, we say we know that, but do we believe that? We'll, we'll find out. You're still safe, though. Don't worry. It's, you're going to be safe tonight. But if your life's purpose is money, your life won't have much purpose. If your life's purpose is money and the things it can buy, then really your life won't have much purpose. It'll be empty. It'll be, there won't be anything to show for it. At your funeral, see, you're talking about money and death. Isn't this like the greatest church ever? <laughs> but at your funeral, what do you want people to, to talk about? Man, he was rich. Wow, she had like the nicest clothes. I wonder who's going to get them now. Are they going to sell them? Was there an estate? Like, do you want people talking about that? Or do you want people talking about how much love you brought to their life? How much meaning you brought to their life? How much difference you made in the world? See, happiness doesn't come from having stuff, from having every vacation you want or every, every possession you want to buy. Happiness comes from having purpose. From having a life full of purpose, of making the lives around you better. See, using your life for a purpose outside of yourself is what gives your life purpose. Using your life for a purpose outside of yourself, it's not all about you, is actually what will give your life purpose, what, what will actually make you happy in the long run. And money can help. Money can help with that. Money can add that kind of purpose to your life, but we have to know how to use it properly, not let it control us. And I think that's why Jesus talked about money so much. He actually, and you know, maybe you've heard, if you've been in church a while, you've heard other pastors say this. It's actually true. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven. It's so interesting. Like, he knew. In fact, half of his parables, parables, stories that have a purpose, like he would teach through parables and really deep stories and stuff, half of his parables are about money and possessions. And interestingly, unlike many preachers, Jesus never asked for money. He talked about it all the time, but he never asked for money. Isn't that interesting? See, and Jesus taught that when you begin seeing your life's purpose as something other than yourself, as something maybe bigger than yourself, you start seeing and using your money differently too. I think that's why he talked about it so much. So what I want to do tonight is look at a parable of Jesus, a, a, a story that is just a story he made up, 
but it has a meaning behind it. It's, you find it in the book of Luke, chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it's totally cool. We'll have everything on the screen for you. But Luke, uh, we, we know, was a, a doctor. He traveled with the Apostle Paul around the Mediterranean, planting churches. And he was actually also a historian. One of the, uh, he followed the rules of the ancient Roman slash Greek historians. And you can see his method and his style in his writing. But what he did, he went and he interviewed all the people who knew Jesus, all the people who, who had walked with him, had interacted with him. Some people think he even, he even interviewed um, Mary, Jesus' mom, or at least Jesus' brother, James. And he put everything together and said, this is what Jesus' life was like. This is what everybody who knew him said he did and said and all that stuff. And so we have it in what we call the book of Luke. We, it's in the, we call it the New Testament, which basically all the writings that are about Jesus. So, in that, we have a parable that Jesus told about money. And an interesting thing about these parables, in every parable, there's somebody who represents God, and there's somebody who represents us. So see if you can find it as we, as we read this. And this, this parable we're going to read, when I first, my, like the first 30 years of my life, I didn't understand it at all. Really, if you just kind of read it and don't really think through it, it's one of the weirdest parables Jesus ever told. So are you ready? Okay. You guys are super excited tonight. That's awesome. All right, so Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. So basically Jesus sits his guys down and says, okay, guys, once upon a time, there was this rich man. Everybody knew it wasn't a real story. There was this man who was so rich, had so much stuff, that he actually hired somebody to take care of it for him. That's how much stuff he had. Somebody needed a full-time job to watch all of his money. And there was a rich man. And that, in this parable, represents, who do you think? God. Good. You guys are so smart. And the manager represents us. So there was is, there is a rich man who had a manager. And he finds out his manager is mismanaging. He's maybe embezzling, taking some money on the side, um, maybe not, not collecting enough. I don't know. And he says, the rich man says, what's this I hear? There's, there's word on the street. You're not managing well. You're a manager who can't manage. Therefore, you cannot be a manager anymore. Bring me the books, right? Bring me those big old leather books with all the numbers in it. Let's make sure everything's, everything's clear and I can hand it off to the next guy because you are fired. You're out. I'm not going to do the Donald Trump, you're fired thing. No, I'm not. Okay. So he says, finish up, you're fired. Let's see what else. The manager said to himself, self, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. What am I going to do? He had no other skills. What he knew was managing money. He he didn't have the strength to dig, which is a fun pastime. He had no other skills. He still had his pride. He couldn't beg. But he has this, what does he have? He has this small window of time and opportunity to figure something out. There's a limited amount of time, a limited amount of opportunity to figure out what he's going to do next. Because he had to do something quick so that when he gets fired, he'll still be able to eat. He'll still be all right. And so, what does he do? 
I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He thinks hard. He comes up with a pretty ingenious plan, actually, so that when, when everything hits the fan, he'll still have somewhere to go and still have something to live on. And here's his plan. So he called each one, meaning there's probably a whole bunch. This guy's rich. He's got a whole bunch of debtors. Each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly before, before anybody finds out, you know, just let's do this, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. And everybody's like, oh, that's so much, right? That's a lot of wheat. It is. I don't, I'm not going to try to tell you how much it weighed. But so, a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And we, the, the feeling is he does this over and over and over with each one of his master's debtors. Jesus tells us about two. He says, quickly, sit down, you know. Okay, I'm, something's going to happen. I, let's do this before we get caught, before somebody sees us. Let's just write this down. You, you owe 900. Let's cut it in half. 450. Sounds good. Let's close out the account. Great. Okay, you owe 1,000. Great. Let's, let's cut it down. And the debtors, like, whoa, thank you so much. I mean, could you imagine? You owe 1,000 bucks, and the guy's like, no, no, no. Let's just make it, we're good, right? Let's just make it 500. Wow, thank you. You know, if, if there's anything you ever need from me, let me know. And, and the manager's like, well, you know, you might be hearing from me a little bit sooner than you think. See, he's, he's kind of greasing the wheels with all of his master's debtors. What a great deal. Does it over and over. Now, what do you think the crowd, that, so Jesus is telling this, this, this story to his disciples. What do you think his disciples are thinking? I mean, probably, and the, the inflection is there's more than just the 12 disciples. There's probably you know, a good group around them. What are all these people thinking? Probably the same thing a group like us thinking, right? A, a few different things. Kind of depends on what your background is and maybe what your, your financial situation is right now, right? Some, some of us might be thinking, wow, smart guy, right? Yeah, stick it to the rich. Let's, let's, you take care of yourself and everything's going to be okay. Or, you know, wow, those debtors, how lucky. That, I, wish, I wish somebody would do that for my debt, right? Cut it in half. That'd be great. Or maybe if you, you run your own business, you're like, that guy, can't believe it. he's terrible that is one of the worst people i've ever if that were my guy i'd throw him in prison right and in fact that's the one thing everyone agrees on on this story that this dude is not a good dude right if the ma- if the master finds out this guy's in trouble this guy's going to jail the master is gonna be mad but here's the thing jesus always twists the story just enough just enough to get our attention for us to say hey you know we all thought it was going to be this you know we all thought the story was going this direction but jesus changes it just enough to be like wait what is he talking about what's the what 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 is he driving at here and so here's what happens the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly Instead of being mad, the manager or the, the owner laughs. The master laughs and says, oh my gosh, you got me. Wow, that's hilarious. You, I can't believe you did that. What a great plan. How come I never thought of that? Wow. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that's weird. 
can't, I, I'm impressed. The manager acted shrewdly. He had purposely thought through his situation. And he had taken full advantage of the limited amount of time he had and the limited opportunity he had to, to do something, to, to, to make sure his future would be better. And so everyone, and maybe you're there also, I was when I was first reading this, everyone's confused. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? Right, like the master commended the dishonest manager. In this story of Jesus, you know who's God, telling the story, he's saying, hey, the good guy in the story is the dishonest one. I was like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, that does not sound like you. Like, I would have punished him. This man wasted his master's money, like half of it, like all of his debtors. Right? The master thought he was getting this huge income, maybe like a million dollars, and he only gets half, which is 500000 if you're doing the math. Good job which is still a lot, but if you're expecting a million, you don't want half. See, God views money and wealth differently than we do. And that's where Jesus is going. God views money and wealth differently than we do. That's why there's that twist that we're just like, what are you talking about? And so Jesus explains. And here's what he says. Master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now the story is over. Jesus now is explaining it. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Okay, that's nice, interesting Jesus talk. What's it mean? The people of this world, meaning the people who believe there, there is nothing more than this world. Right? The people who say there's, there's nothing more to this life than this life. The people who live as though this world and everything and what you can get in it is all that matters, they are more shrewd. They are more thoughtful. They have better plans. They give their wealth and what they're doing with it more attention than the children of the light, the people of the light. At that time, Jesus was meaning the Jewish people, but now it can be applied to, to anybody who calls himself a Jesus follower. And Jesus is saying, the people who don't think there's an ultimate purpose in this world, are more purposeful with their wealth than the people who know that there is more to life than just this world. They're more purposeful with it. They have a better plan. They, they think through things better. And then Jesus gives his followers a command, which if you're not a Jesus follower, you should be able to breathe a sigh of relief right now because this command isn't for you. You don't have to do anything. I'm, in fact, I would never tell you what to do. In fact, if you're a Jesus follower, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to read what Jesus told you what to do, which is going to be fun for you. But, you know, if, if you're not a Jesus follower, you, you are under no obligation to do any of this. I'm not telling you what to do. I do think the principle we're going to look at will make your life better. But you can just relax and be like, oh, this is great. And, you know, if, if, if somebody who's a Jesus follower invited you, be like, <laughs> good luck with that, right? So, Jesus follower, what I'm about to read, Jesus is looking at you right in the eyes, and he says this, I tell you, often when I read, when Jesus says, I tell you, I'm like, hey, here's, here's some good advice, but it's a command. Jesus isn't offering us advice right now. I tell you, I, your Lord, your master, your king, I tell you, 
Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Totally clear, right? We're good for the night? I tell you, so I, I command, use your wealth. Remember how we said money is useful? You can use it for a purpose. It's a useful tool. Use your wealth. It's not bad to have wealth, but you have to know how to use it. Use your wealth to gain friends. Use your wealth to make lives better, to make somebody's life better, to think outside of yourself so that when it's gone, because someday it'll be gone, and honestly, if you think about it, your money won't be gone, you will be gone. Someday you will be gone. So that when you are gone, you will be welcomed, welcomed into eternal dwellings. Interesting, eternal dwellings. What is that? What is that precisely? I don't know. I don't know. Jesus said it. Eternal dwellings, maybe it's heaven. Maybe it's, you know, when you, when, you, when you get to heaven and you see all the people that your money affected, maybe that's what it means. I don't know. He doesn't go into more detail on that. But here's, Jesus is saying that somehow what we do with our material wealth and possessions here and now makes a difference somehow in and for eternity. What we do with our money and our stuff now actually makes a difference in eternity. And, you know, I would say that's crazy. Like, how does that even add up? How does that even work? I would, say, I would say don't even, you know, this is the ramblings of a madman except for one thing. If somebody can predict their death and resurrection and then pull it off under their own power, I'm going to believe everything he says about life after this one. He's been there. He knows what he's talking about. So what does this exactly mean? I don't know, but he said, do it. And he's the only one I trust with what happens after I die. He says, what we do now with what we have now directly affects what happens then. Or another way to say it is how we use our money now makes a difference forever. Jesus is saying how we use our money now actually makes a difference forever. As we all say, we can't take it with us, right? We can't take it with us, but we can have something to show for it beyond this life. And so the manager took full advantage of his limited time and his opportunity, and Jesus is telling his followers to do the same. We all have a limited amount of time. We all have a limited amount of opportunity. Make the most of it. Make a difference. Have a life of purpose. Jesus says, don't just worry about this life and what you can get in it. Use your life and what you have for something bigger, something better, for an eternal purpose. And so the question every Jesus follower should ask in reading this is how can I use more of what I have for a purpose that isn't me? How can I use more of what I have, my stuff, my money, for a purpose that isn't me? Why should we ask that? Well, Jesus goes on. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? True riches. What is that? 
Again, I don't know. But it's something, something important. And according to Jesus, no matter how much you have, no matter how little you have, your money, your wealth, your possessions are actually a test. See, what you do with your money shows truly who you are, what purpose you're living for. The true test of who we are is what we do with our money. The true test of who we are is what we do with our money. Not what we would do if we had the amount we think we need. The true test of who you are now is what you do with what you have now. Jesus goes on again. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Talking about our money, our wealth, our possessions. He says, well, if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, why would you get you know, true riches of your own? Someone else's property? This is mine. I worked for this. I went to school for this. In fact, I didn't go to school so I could have this job and be in this business. I've, you don't know how hard I worked for this money. This is my money. Well, let's, let's be honest. This, whether you believe Jesus is God, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, that money's really not yours. <laughs> how dare you? You don't even know. Yeah, I know I don't, but it's not really yours, right? Your money will still be here when you're gone. Your money will outlast you. It's not something that you're going to hold on to and it ends with you. You don't own it. You're just managing it temporarily. And whether you believe there's, there's an afterlife or not, at, at the very least, you're managing it for future generations. The money you have now is something that you could manage for your kids and your grandkids. Right? It's not yours. You're just doing the most with it that you can. And if you are a Jesus follower then you're managing it for the king who died for you. It's not to be a guilt trip. That's just kind of reality. And so what are, we gonna, what are you going to do now with the limited amount of time and the limited amount of opportunity you have now? So if you're a Jesus follower, or you know, if you're just sick of the greed you see around you, it's, it's almost Christmas time. Get ready for some more greed, right? In fact, I remember the first time I felt greed. Do you remember the first time you felt greed? Such a great feeling. Um, I mean, I used to, I used to the, when Toys R Us was still a thing, you'd get the magazine right at Christmas time and you circle everything you want. That was kind of greed. But I remember the first time I really experienced greed, I was in high school, my senior year, and my friend and I were talking about, like, if we invested, we were thinking about money, if, you, if we invested right now, like, 100 bucks a month, which was something I didn't have, think how rich we would be when we're 37, I was like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Now, I wish I would have done it. <laughs> but I remember that feeling of, oh, I just want more money. You, 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 have, you ever have that feeling, and you, then you look back on it, and you're like, wow, that's disgusting. Right? So whether you're a Jesus follower, whether you're just sick of seeing greed around you, or whether you're, you're kind of tired of feeling that greed, here's a question I think we could all chew on for a while. And remember, you, you, don't, you don't have to do anything yet. This is just a question. You're safe. We're not locking the doors and shaking you down, right? I don't think these doors lock, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. You're safe. If using your life for a purpose outside of yourself is what gives your life purpose, you following me? If using your life for a purpose outside of yourself is actually what gives your life purpose, 
what purpose do you want your life to be used for? What purpose do you want your life to be used for? What do you want, what do you want people to line up and thank you for at the end of your life? Oh, thanks for hoarding all your money and letting me see you driving that car. That was awesome. What do you want people to thank you for at the end of your life? Or if you did have a billion dollars, what would you do or how would you make the world a better place? Why wait till you have a billion dollars? Why not start now? Why not start with $10? See, at this point in our world's history, the people sitting in this room are some of the richest people to have ever walked the face of the earth. We have a tremendous opportunity to show tremendous generosity. That's where we've been placed. That is our time. That is our opportunity. We have the most opportunity to be the most generous in the history of the world. I think Jesus is asking, will you use that opportunity or will you squander it? And so that's a nice, nice guilt trip, right, with kind of no way out of it. So what do we do? How do we, how do we kind of move forward? How do we take advantage of this opportunity? And here's, here's a simple, practical, extremely difficult idea for you. Choose now, maybe go home first, but choose in the next few days, what percentage of your income you will live on. So we all live on a percentage of our income. Why not choose it on purpose? Why not say, you know what, I'm going to, I think, I think I'm going to live on 80%, 90%. Choose a percentage now that you're, you're going to live on. Decide now what percentage will be used for your lifestyle, what you think you need and maybe what you really do need, and what percentage will be used as a tool to help someone else's life. I mean, this is, this is not an easy thing. This is something um, for, for, for Liz and I, we grew up doing. Our, our parents kind of made us do this as we were growing up. We know we'd get an allowance, and they're like, well, 10% goes to, goes to God. And we're like, okay, that's just what you do, right? And so when we got married, that's just what we did. And we're not, I'm not bragging on it. I'm just saying it's something that we grew up doing. We've been doing it since we were married. And, you know, we don't miss it. We've decided our lifestyle is, you know, a certain percentage of our income. And that's what, our, that's what we can afford. Because we want to use our money for a purpose. If you're, if you're a teenager, start doing it now. Right? Oh, I only get 10 bucks a week. Well, you need to do more around the house. But, <laughs> so you're going to miss, maybe if you went with 10%, a dollar a week, right? Why not start that habit now? And why am I saying choose beforehand? You're like, wait, why can't I just give it at the end of the month and, hey, what a nice percentage? Because you have to be purposeful for your money to be used on purpose. You have to be purposeful for your money to be used on purpose because hoarding, consuming, wasting, nobody chooses to do that on purpose. Right? That's the kind of stuff that just happens when you, decide what, when you don't decide what your, what your life's purpose and what the purpose for your money is going to be. You just end up hoarding things that you, know, you don't really need, things you don't want in a year, wasting, consuming, so here's, here's one final question. And thanks for not leaving yet. What will give your life more purpose? More stuff or more stories? 
What will give your life more purpose? More stuff or more stories? Do you want more things collecting rust and dust and crust? Or do you want to be able to tell more stories of lives being changed because of what you chose to do? More stuff or more stories? More stories of having a life of purpose outside of yourself. More stories of, of, of people thanking you for changing their life with what you decided to do, with what you were given. In fact, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on you for a little bit, those of you who call Cross Creek your home. You know that parking lot you parked in? Isn't that gravel just beautiful? You know why that gravel's beautiful? Because you paid for it. We don't even own this, this property, but we needed, we needed a new parking lot, the church we rent from, they couldn't, that wasn't their thing to do. We said, well, it needs to happen. And so we've been, we're, and I'm not, that's not why we're doing a, a money series, by the way. But we, we've raised basically 84% of what we need for that parking lot and giving away a third of that to a foster care organization. You guys have done that. And the cool part is, every time somebody parks in that parking lot and walks through those doors and hears about how much God loves them, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, but God loves them and accepts them and is for them, you're part of that story. You are the one who made that happen. When kids don't have to walk through icy water to get here, it's because you gave. You're part of every story that every dime of, of that one-third that goes to the foster care organization. You're, you're part of every kid who benefits from that. You might never meet them, but maybe someday you will. If, you, if you've given regularly to this church, right, you say, you know what, I have a percentage that I give every month, or you've given a few times, you know what you're a part of? You know what your money is? Everyone sitting in here with lights on is part of your story. You're part of their story. Everyone who watches online, everyone who comes here and hears of God's love, every child who hears that they are special, that they are created in God's image, is a part of your story. And when their story is told, whether they know it or not, you're a part of their story. And until there is no more Cross Creek Community Church, every man, woman, and child, maybe your own great-grandchildren if we last that long, who hears the truth of how much Jesus loves them is a part of your story because of what you've done, because of your generosity. And I will bet you the money that you've given, you don't miss it, do you? If you do, we've got a money-back guarantee here. But you don't miss it. You don't know what you would have done with it. But now you have more stories. I mean, there, there are stories that I, I feel like I can't tell you right now because I don't have permission for it. But lives are being changed because of what you've given. I, it, I can't go on because then I won't be able to go on. But for the rest of your life, you can look back and see the difference your money has made. You used it on a purpose, or on purpose, for a purpose, and are part of the story that will last for all of eternity. So at the end of your life, do you want more stuff, or do you want more stories? 
Do you want more possessions for your kids to fight over? Or do you want more lives changed? Choose on purpose what the purpose of your life, what the purpose of your stuff will be. Because the purpose of money is to use it for a purpose beyond you. The purpose of money is to use it for a purpose beyond you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a giving God, a loving God, a pursuing God. Thank you that you, you, you tell us how to have a full, rich, purposeful life. That you didn't just say, hey, figure it out, but that you, you loved us. You gave us some practical ways to, to make life better. To, to make life worth living. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us purpose. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you are doing to change lives. Maybe this week show us just a little bit of, of, of the difference we're making. Thank you for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you guys have a great night and a great week. We do. We have free snacks for you out in the lobby. And if you're new, don't forget your, your free gift also. But have a great week. Thanks for being here.